Ben and Jerry and Zev. Well, it's finally happened. I'm sitting in front of my laptop, writing. In a Starbucks. Yeah, I'm that douchebag. Hey, at least I'm not working on a screenplay. Normally I write in my apartment. It's fairly quiet, I have a desk with a nice chair, and, most importantly, it's not a Starbucks. Well, at least not yet. This is New York City, after all. Everything here becomes a Starbucks sooner or later. I rarely step inside a Starbucks. I don't really have anything against them, I just don't drink coffee. Nor do I drink ice cream topped with nuts, caramel, whipped cream, and cinnamon with a shot of espresso mixed in that is still somehow considered coffee for some reason. I also don't have anything against their success. Starbucks is ubiquitous because they successfully tapped into an untapped market. Other people's coffee was shit, Starbucks's was better, and now they have 17,000 stores. And now they sell sandwiches. And salads. And music. And their GDP is greater than, insert your preferred oppressed African nation here. Done. While I was in Seattle last week, I visited the original Starbucks with some friends. Not as like a pilgrimage or anything, coffee was desired, and, oddly enough, Starbucks was the closest option. In Seattle. Weird, right? Now, technically, the Pike's Place Starbucks in Seattle isn't the original Starbucks. Strictly speaking, the original Starbucks was around the corner about a block away from the new original Starbucks, which opened in 1976. The original Starbucks was opened in 1971 by Zev Siegel, Gordon Bowker, and Jerry Baldwin. Back then, they didn't even sell coffee, only coffee beans and brewing gear. It wasn't until the 80s that they actually started selling coffee coffee. And it wasn't until the 2000s that they started selling ice cream disguised as coffee. Despite its imposter status, the quasi-first-ish Starbucks puts on a good show. While I am no means a Starbucks connoisseur, even I can tell you it's a unique location. I mean, first off, the siren lady in the Starbucks logo out front is showing off her boobies. So there's that. Right from the start, you know you're in for a treat. Once you step inside, you start to better understand Seattle's coffee culture. There are no big comfy chairs. There are no yuppies sitting in front of their laptops, hammering away at their keyboards. There is only one thing. Coffee. Well, and some mugs to sell to tourists. Hey, might as well, right? Maybe it's to counteract the dreary weather, maybe it's to speed up their otherwise relaxed lifestyles, but whatever it is, Seattleites are serious about their coffee. They wants it. They needs it. It's their precious. I would have assumed the original Starbucks would have been a more welcoming place. Somewhere to go and really take in the company ethos. Water. Somewhere to go and live the relaxed Seattle lifestyle. As it turns out, though... Not so much. Get the coffee and get out. No free Wi-Fi for you. Meanwhile, several thousand miles away, I'm here in New York, the people in a goddamn hurry center of the world. And what do we have in our Starbucks? Couches, tables, chairs. People relaxing. Homeless people sleeping. Unlike Seattle, space here is at a premium. Every square foot needs to be making money every moment of every day. 
But somehow the rules of Manhattan real estate do not apply to the hundreds of Starbucks locations scattered about. Come on in, relax, kick your feet up. Don't kick that hobo, though. He's sleeping. Manhattan is the Starbucks epicenter of the galaxy. This is assuming there is not intelligent life somewhere else in the galaxy who has coincidentally opened a franchise known as Starbucks with more than 17,000 locations, which may or may not sell coffee. This is an assumption I'm willing to make. Point is, despite being able to literally throw a rock and hit a Starbucks from virtually anywhere in the city, apparently we're not at our saturation point yet. In fact, we're not even close. Before, when I was saying everywhere in New York eventually becomes a Starbucks, I wasn't joking. Some estimates say we could more than double our current Starbucks count, which just seems absolutely absurd, but then I watch people coming in here and I realize maybe it's not so crazy after all. I'm facing out of the window, watching people as they come in. A lot of the people seem to have no plans of coming to Starbucks. They're just walking by, minding their own business, notice there's a Starbucks, stop walking, adjust course, and come in. Starbucks is a force of gravity. Maybe that's what intergalactic Starbucks sells, artificial gravity generators. I mean, hell, I'm here and I don't even drink coffee. That, and this is a new Starbucks. I am part of the problem. There's a Starbucks three blocks east of here and another three blocks north, and, you know, hundreds beyond. Hell, Starbucks could open a store across the street and it would probably do just fine. Or could they? Like everyone else these days, Starbucks, too, has recently fallen on hard times. They've shuttered more than a thousand locations in the past two years. A few blocks north at Astor Place, you can no longer wave to your friend at Starbucks from the Starbucks across the street because the Starbucks across the street is now closed. Tragedy. That said, I think Zev and the gang's baby is going to make it. Unless Seattle and New York and the rest of the United States and 54 other countries around the world, and possibly a variety of planets around the galaxy, stop consuming coffee, I think they'll somehow pull through. They'll triumph over adversity. They'll be the little guy who succeeded against all odds. The David who became Goliath. Wow, this could make a pretty good screenplay. I'm going to start working on that right now. Oh wait, no!